Merry Christmas, Simon. Oh, Merry Christmas to you. I hope I hope you all have a safe Christmas and that you don't break any lockdown rules. <laughs> People will be listening to this after Christmas, I think, won't they? They'll be listening to this in the in that period between Christmas and New Year. Is that right? I, I can't, think I can't so. Keep track. I think so. I think you're. I think you're a couple of days after Christmas. You know, we've you've had Boxing Day. You're probably in that weird point of thinking. Oh, Post Panettone. Yeah. Shall I? Shall I try and have a couple of dry days, or shall I just keep my alcohol levels nice and stable? Here's a question for you. What do you do in that fallow patch between Christmas and New Year? What do I do? Yeah, what do you do? Do you have do you have traditions? Do you have no traditions? No traditions. For a while there, we used to go to um, Totnes and visit our friends there. Yes, I remember and exchange that. presents. That, Lots of presents. <laughs> presents that usually had, had an interesting provenance. <laughs> exactly, and um, and eat lots of cheese. Yeah, but no, not really. Walking, lots of walking. Mm-hmm. Trying to get out, especially because it's so dark. Just trying to get out and be out. Yeah. Um, Lil and I often have uh, our Christmas by proxy by walking around the neighbourhood and looking in at people's oh. um, Christmas decorations and trees, and <laughs> even looking at looking at them wearing their hats and eating Christmas dinners. <laughs> I I love that. <laughs> So you're like, yes, we don't have binoculars. Little Christmas thieves just stealing bits of goodwill. Do you put your nose up to the letterbox and just like (laughs) sniff in like... I think it's a little harsh on us to call us Christmas thieves stealing something. I don't think anything's... I don't think anything's taken from those people. Uh, okay. Do you think? Well, no, I don't. But I think I think perhaps I think they're giving. Maybe goodwill emanates to such a high level that it brims over the edge of the the the, uh, the property line, and you can just like drink from it. It's an excess. I would love that. Um, speaking of excess, actually, there's um, our neighbours over the back, not the not the neighbours with the. Yeah, move on. It's Christmas. <laughs> our next door neighbours who have gone away, who don't know where then where their next door neighbours, but they have a a light in their backyard, which is focused, I reckon, about 30 degrees, maybe 20 degrees too high, mm. and casts shadows in our house. Like it's basically, a, it's like a spotlight on our flat. And so because there are, what do they call houses that are all connected? What's that called again? Terrace. Terrace houses. It's quite hard to figure out from the back which house it is from the front. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But I've figured it out. I've done multiple um, sorties, mm-hmm. and, and I know which house it is. And I, in this fallow period, I'm going to write them a letter, a very non-passive-aggressive letter. I'm not going to say, would you like a bag? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, nice and I'm going to see if I can ask them either to... Uh, suggest they either turn it off at night or um, just have it refocused. But what I'm hoping, though, mm-hmm. what I'm hoping though, is actually that they're midlifing listeners and oh. that they will figure it out. Yes, <laughs> that, I like they, that. So all midlife listeners, just check: Do you have a light in your backyard? Oh my god, I do. That's a little bit focused, a little bit high. Oh my god, I do. Might, is it me? You, am, am I? Am I the drama? Good for you. <laughs> I just t- just take a moment. Think of your neighbours. This is who I am. I'd have climbed the wall and just moved it. <laughs> no, you would not. Yeah, I would. Is that You're bad? You're kidding. Is that bad? The thing is, is I could be. I would be seen by every. There's two blocks of flats. Everyone in those blocks of flats would see me climbing over the wall. That's what balaclavas and... are for, Simon. Yeah, but there's <laughs> such a bright light. They would still see me. Yeah, but you'd have a balaclava on. So how would they know who you were? 
Yeah, I think I'd be. It'd be yeah, I like that. I, maybe that's maybe that would be. I mean, I did use the word sorty after exactly. all. Exactly. I thought that's where we were going. I'll report back. I would all the while that you're doing this. I want you to go. Um, I I just uh, can imagine just getting over the fence and falling and smashing my ankle. That, 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 talk about midlifing. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be a very good cat burglar, but instead I just broke yeah. my leg. Uh, that's right, and I'm on crutches. Uh, I'm yeah. very sorry. Okay, here fallow we are period. in this fallow period between Christmas and New Year. I do have a very rich tradition. It's not mine. It's borrowed from the BBC. I like to listen, read, or watch stories. The Hatches. No. (laughs) I mean, it's no less middle class, but still. No, I like to listen to, read, or watch stories by M.R. James. This is a podcast in which two friends have serious conversations about silly things and silly conversations about serious things. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. The, uh, the 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 Cambridge Don. Do you know Do you know of his work? Montgomery Roads James. Um, uh... Don't Google him. Don't duck duck go him. Don't encourage him. I can hear you typing, Simon. <laughs> the answer is either yes, I know, or no, I don't. His name's Montague Rhodes. James. Oh, did, what did I call him? Montgomery. Montgomery. Sorry, Montague. Montgomery. Um, no, I've never heard of him. Okay, so he was a scholar, but every Christmas he would write a ghost story to be read in the common room. And it became something that he was quite famed for, and he he published these stories. And they are, quite often, properly terrifying. I'm not... uh, And so do you... Hang on. Do you read them, or do you read them out to Bob and Jeffrey? I've done all of the above. So... And does Bob get scared? Uh, She will pretend for me. (laughs) No, I don't think she gets scared because we know them so well now, all of the stories. But we will listen to the um, we'll listen to the radio versions. There's some brilliant Radio Four versions of them. There are some superb 1970s, I want to say, BBC TV versions, and they're just because they and they used to come out at Christmas. If you if say if you had a listener Mm -hmm. that had never heard of M R James and had never listened to one of these ghost stories, where would you suggest that they, this hypothetical listener, faithful or unfaithful, Mm -hmm. start? Mm -hmm. Well, that is a really, really good question. I think I would probably start with the mezzo tint. It's called the mezzo tint. The mezzo tint, yeah, because it kind of gives you, it gives you the the willies in a way that it, it, there's there's nothing. I could have gone for like something like uh, a whistle and I'll come for you, my lad, which is a, a really good one. But I think for me, the mezzo tint is just the place to start with Montague Rhodes James M R James's work. It's about. A guy who effectively is like... Spoilers? Uh, no, no, no spoilers. 
it's about a guy who was a curator for a library in a in a, a Cambridge college, um, and his dealer sends him things that he finds and says, "Oh, these are on approval. If you want this, this is how much it'll cost." <laughs> What's funny? Well, it's just funny because as you're talking, I've just read the opening paragraph of a pricey of the story, and it's made me sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Very spooky. So he gets this. He gets this unremarkable uh, mezzo tint, which is like a, a print. Um, yep. But then something starts to change on the mezzo tint, and it happens over time. And it's just. I think you should read out the story for the next episode of Midlifing. We could um, we could start a Christmas tradition. I could do the foley sound. <laughs> well, it did it did make me want. I did want to. I did want to ask. Do you believe in ghosts? Oh. Or perhaps what I really want to ask you is: Do you want to believe in ghosts? Oh. Well, yeah, I'm such a dork. It depends on what you mean by ghost. Because I think, don't we all have ghosts? Well, yes, I hear what you're saying because you're giving me a kind of um, a psychological response. But I, I mean something else. I mean, so remember that we both have seen The Fog by John Carpenter. Yes. And you remember how that film starts? No. Okay. It starts around a campfire, five minutes to midnight. So John Houseman starts the tale of, effectively tells us the entire story of the film about uh, about these this leper colony that is that's lured to their death and how they intend to wreak their terrible and bloody revenge and there's just something about those those shared moments of sitting around a fire being a little bit spooked that make me want to believe even though I don't yeah well i think it's is an inverse relationship between how scared i get from those things and how much I believe in ghosts. Right. I'm very scared, zero belief. Yeah. But I like that I get scared from them. I like that they push my imagination. Yeah. Has anybody ever told you a, sp- a spooky story that you don't have a... Um, inexplicable. Out- inexplicable, yeah. Something that you couldn't just immediately sort of brush away. None come to mind, but I'm sure that's indeed the case. I was fascinated by a book. We had a purple, large purple book, the name of which I can't remember when we, when I was growing up. Basically like strange stories and... Oh. Was it like Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, that kind of thing? It might have been. It was a little bit like that, but I don't think it was Arthur C. Clarke, but the one that comes to mind is... Um, well, the Bermuda Triangle stuff, for sure. Yeah. And then the one that comes to mind is the all those... Um, rather odious uh, comparisons between the murder of Lincoln and the murder of Kennedy. Oh, I don't know about those. Yeah, like, you know, one was one was shot from a warehouse who ran to a theatre, one was shot in a theatre and the person ran to a warehouse. And there's all these sort of, you know, coincidences that mm. uh, somehow indicate something bigger than a bunch of coincidences. But yes, and there was lots of Loch Ness monster um pictures and and I was I was fascinated and terrified by them. <laughs> terrified. I wonder what that book was actually. Mm. Big purple book. Big purple book full of Probably scary. still uh, actually probably just about to be given away to um to Mary Potter Hospice uh um not the hospice itself but their second hand shops after when once my brother's finished going through all mum's stuff. <laughs> I asked this question too late. You could have looked for it on the shelves while you were there. 
You t- I t- exactly. Strange stories and amazing facts. Is that R.C. Clarke? Could be. I mean, I think he did loads. Uh, I, I had one that I, had a, I think had a picture of a glass skull on the front. It is Strange Stories, Amazing Facts. It's a Reader's Digest book, and I think we would have had the 1975 edition. That's my guess. Mm. Um, I'm thinking that it was purple underneath the sleeve. Yeah. Oh, just... oh. <sighs> Can I tell you a ghost story? Oh, is there a little one? It's a little one. Oh, I'd love for you to tell me a ghost story. So this this was something I got told in my first year of university. So you know that that time when you're you're sitting up too late and you're you're meeting people and you're uh, the, you're trying to understand the world for the first time. It's, outside and it's different. Of you. Yeah, yeah. It's like you never have. I don't think I've had conversations like those conversations ever, or rarely since those moments. Mm. So I I was. I was in student accommodation that was above the English department, which was a, a bizarre thing. It was in an old vicarage. Um, so um, the English department was downstairs, and then we went upstairs, and there was one flat on the first floor, and on the second floor there were two flats. So it was very small. I think there were five people who lived in here. Um, and we had quite antiquated uh, plumbing. That's a that's a polite way of saying uh, <laughs> there was no hot water. Um, so we would go to the next house over, um, and this was back in the old days where there were single sex occupancy buildings. So we were all lads, um, and next door was a house of of all women, and I think there were eight or twelve. So it was a slightly bigger bigger house, but not massive. And one of the girls who lived in the in this in this flat uh, had come from a minor public school, and she'd boarded. So she was a boarder, <coughs> and we were doing the whole. Um, so did she, did she say I went to a minor public school? No, but she told me the name of it, and I and, and I clocked it. And went mm, yes, minor public school. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, I hate this country. I know. Bearing in mind, I, I'm from a comprehensive, so it's I, I kind of. <laughs> This isn't the story yet. You haven't got to the story yet. I've not got to the story yet. I'm just, this is colour. This is, colour. <laughs> this is, this is local preamble. Colour. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, but it's important to know that, you know, she was a boarder. She was explaining, she was describing her dormitory. She said there were six girls to a dorm and they had the spare bed. So the bed that would be occupied by boarders who were coming for a relatively short period, like for a term or for a year, uh, students who were studying from abroad. So they had the American girl staying with them for a term. And the way that their dormitory was set up was that there was um, a door, but in front of the door there was like an L-shaped wooden partition so that when the door opened you couldn't see directly into the the dormitory for privacy. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like you get, I guess, in in Victorian public restrooms. Sure. And so uh, it was about... About six foot high, so just about the same height as the door, but there was a, a, a gap underneath it, so you could see underneath the partition out to the door and beyond to the corridor. Um, and this American was in her like last couple of days there, um, and she said, oh my God, when I get back to the States, I really want my friends to be able to hear how amazing your voices are, so I really, I really want to uh, really record you. Um, and this is back in the this is back in the olden days where where people had um, people had um, 
tape. Cassette recorders. Yeah, cassette recorders. So she just like put um, put a, a, a cassette recorder, but also this was a, a minor public school dormitory. Um, there wasn't a lot of electrical out. Let's oh, so wait a minute. This is so. This is the this is your friend at university is, telling is, about yeah, when she is, was at exactly. The, yeah, at, yeah, yeah. This is my, gotcha. Sorry, I hadn't yeah. I hadn't clocked that. This is this is not. Yeah, so, so this is I'm, I'm it was pre-university. This is pre-university. She was a yeah. schoolgirl boarding at a, a private school. Uh, yeah. Also, sorry, can I say that American school. accent was amazing? It was quite ropey, actually. But let's just. Yeah, but Thanks. we don't want to hear from listeners about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Please don't. Sorry, I, apo- I apologize in advance. You know, and I made her a little bit too Valley Girl. I don't know why. Um, the plug socket was was very near the door, <laughs> so they plugged the um, the recorder, recorder in, and they were sitting um, like in the middle of the dormitory, just chatting to one another. And they're they're talking away, um, uh, and they'd sort of forgotten that the recorder was on. Um, and uh, there was a point at which, um, in, in the in the conversation, the the dormitory door opened up, and bearing in mind there's a partition in front of it, they can't directly see the door, but they're sitting on the floor, so they can see underneath the partition, and so they all go hello, and then like pop their head down to floor level and can't see any feet. It's just the door has opened. And it stays open for a little while. And it's one of those doors that's on a return. So it's being held, but they can't see any feet. And they're like, oh, that's odd. And then the door just closes. And so what they figured was the door had been pushed. But sometimes you know how a return just catches ever so slightly and holds longer than it should and then starts to close. So so, yes. so they kind of, they didn't get freaked out by it because nothing had happened. They said, hello, hello. Oh, 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 okay, there's nobody there. And then they carried on their conversations. So they carry on with their evening, um, regaling each other with silly stories. Um, the night finishes and they all make their way to beds. And so the next day, the American girl is uh, packing up her things and she puts in a set of headphones and starts to listen to the recording because like anybody who wants to pack, they're trying to put off the inevitable as long as possible. So she thinks, I'll sit and listen to 45 minutes worth of recording or, or however But she thought of that. She thought that in an American accent. Yeah, but I'm not going to give an American accent to her interior monologue because <laughs> <that, laughs> I assume everybody's interior monologue is in my voice. So... <laughs> So she's in the in the dormitory and everybody else is packing up but because I think I think it was let's assume end that of term. yeah end of term maybe yeah. it's maybe it's this time of year maybe they're packing up for christmas um nice and there's a moment where uh, the girl that I uh, that who lived in the house next door to me whose whose bathroom facilities I I would steal said <clears throat> she just saw her sink to the bed and go ashen mhm and they said, what's wrong? Oh, no. And she said, I, you, you just need to listen to this. And so she rewinds it and then takes the headphones out. And there's these girls having a, a conversation. It's all very, you know, fun and silly. And then you hear the door open, swings open. Oh, no, Lee. Lee, you can't, I'm going to have nightmares. And then the girls say, Hello. Hi, hello. No, 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 no. I think I have to blank this bit out. And then <laughs> into the microphone, you just hear this man's voice. How sweet. 
And then the door slowly shuts. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe you did. You... <laughs> How sweet. How sweet. That's some excellent show title, by the way. <laughs> Midlife and Christmas special. How sweet. Uh, did it give you the willies? <laughs> Yes, of course it did. The setup did. I think. I think actually, I was thinking when you, I was imagining that what was going to be said was going to be much worse than that. Yeah, no, it it has to be. It has to be quite low level because otherwise it becomes entirely unbelievable because it's it's hyperbolic. It's too. Yeah. yeah. So you know, had had it been, I eat your liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> it's like, oh God, as if. But just the idea of a voice going, how oh, sweet. <laughs> One thing, you know, you mentioned that about the fog and it seems that even the way you told that story, that seems quite a common thread is the sort of meta aspect of, of ghost stories where, you, where you're not sure where they're beginning and ending yeah. in the sense that, you know, it's quite often you're sitting around talking and then someone will tell that story and it will be of people sitting around a fire so that there's a sort of, that, like it creates a connection with the, with the physical, the geography of the sp- and the sort of social aspect of the space that is actually existing, if you know what I mean. Yes, yeah. And it's like, you know, like sitting around the fire at the fog or these girls sitting around. And even the way you told it was of going to see this person's... So you you made a connection to yourself for one thing. Like it, it's like even like when telling a joke, you know, I remember I met this guy back in... You know, he used to do this, and then I remember him saying to me, you know, so it's like it's there's a sort of something about it. It's authenticity through the telling. Yeah. How sweet. How sweet, Simon. Oh, Leo, I hope I forget that. Bedtime, I'm glad we're recording first thing in the morning. Just out of curiosity, Simon, if I was to text you the words, how sweet, at like 10 past nine tonight, how cross (laughs) would you be? (laughs) I'd cross you off my Christmas card list, which is an exhaustive one. Um, And also just wouldn't show up for next week's episode. (laughs) That's okay, because it's already recorded. Hello, Hello. Simon. Hello. Is 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 that how my northern accent sounds to you? Yes, it is exactly. <laughs> Basically, you're making singing. me one of the teachers. Ah, in... Singing, singing, <laughs> You're turning me into one of the teachers from Peanuts. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, Charlie Brown. My dad loved Charlie Brown. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was a huge fan of Peanuts. Huge fan. He used, to, he used to redraw them. He was a, he was really good at redrawing drawing peanuts cartoons. I love that. Um, no, I don't mean tracing. No, you mean yeah, 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 yeah. We're not talking about tracing here. And um, yeah, he just loved that the psychology of peanuts. Loved it. Charles M. Schultz, right? Yeah. Me and my dad, we used to love reading Calvin and Hobbes, which was <sighs> later, obviously. Uh, Bill Waterston, I think. Um, mm, I could never remember. Yeah, but they're very funny. So funny. And I, to this day, I will not accept that Hobbes was anything other than a fully real tiger. Oh. Oh, you mean this controversy over that? Some people seem to think that he was a stuffed toy. Oh, my God. People. People. People! People who need people, but the luckiest people in the world are so Barbara Streisand would have us believe. Simon. <laughs> Simon Kennedy Ellis, listen to me. Lee David Miller, I'm listening. Have a fabulous new year, and I will speak to you in 2022. Wow. Fuck. Doesn't that sound like the the future? future. Yeah, probably very similar to 2020 and 2021, given Omicron. Oh. Oh, oh my, Cron. Oh, my my Cron. Oh, my Cron. I'm glad we didn't talk about Boris Johnson. 